Welcome to the Big Fellas Podcast, where we chop it up about all things past, present, and future about the game of basketball. Where facts, stats, and context reign supreme. That is blasphemous. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. Always keep it real. Get ready to learn from players, coaches, and fans from all levels of the game and see the court in a brand new way. And now, fresh off the sidelines, here's your host, John Hartofillis. What it do, fellas, and welcome to the Big Fellas Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, J.H., coming to you from New York City, the mecca of basketball. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Coach Christina Rady and Coach Derek Klein, basketball coaches at National Powerhouse Long Island Lutheran and founders of Empire Youth Athletics. In this episode, we spoke about how they built a positive playing culture from the ground up with Empire, their thoughts on AAU, social media, and basketball today, as well as what it's like playing against the best competition in the nation. We've got a going in store for you today, fellas. Episode number 31, Coach Christina and Derek, Empire Youth Athletics. Hey, Derek. Hey, Christina. What's going on? How are you, John? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having us on here. Super excited to have you guys on. It's going to be a fun episode. I mean, knowing both of you from kind of before this podcast even started. Yeah, it was good. That was last year, I believe, right? In the uh, the gym in Brooklyn? Yeah, but one of the Super League camps. Because I'd seen you and obviously heard of you before from all the Empire stuff. Yes. And Luke. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to record this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Kind of get us started off. Can you guys give our listeners kind of an idea of how you first got introduced to the game as a kid? Radar, you want me to go or you go? I got it. Okay, go ahead. Introduced as a kid. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) I actually started, I was an only child. My father was really, really into football. I think he kind of always wished that, I I don't know, he had had a boy, but he had a girl who was super into (laughs) sports. So for my kindergarten graduation, he bought me one of those ridiculous hoops. And my parents were shocked, but I stayed outside for hours and hours and hours. So for my first grade graduation, the gift was a real hoop that went in the ground out on the concrete and he drew the lines out and everything. Um, and as a family, we would all stay out there and play horse the entire time. And one thing kind of led to another and we started playing in leagues and whatnot. And I tried out for my first AAU team in fourth grade and so on and so forth. But it kind of just started in the backyard, believe it or not. And then, you know, you watch the WNBA, you watch the NBA a little bit, you start to pick those players. I was a huge Steve Nash person at the time, but really the backyard, that, that's where it all went down. That's great. It's always awesome to hear those origin stories. Derek, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm the baby of the family. So basketball for me was always uh, it was always there for me. I was, you know, my cousins played, my brother played, my dad played until about, uh, you know, 10 years ago before he tore his Achilles. I don't know why he was still playing, but he was 58 at the time. So basketball has just been in my blood for a long, long time. Like, you know, when I was younger, I had a Fisher Price hoop in my basement. And, you know, my cousins and my brother, we used to like fake announce games and pretend like we were on NBA teams and we would jump around and dunk and and keep score and announce the games as if, as if it was like a real game. And that's kind of how I was introduced to, to basketball. It's funny. I don't know how we we dunked on that Fisher-Price hoop now that I'm older. That basement, there's no way that – I guess none of us have athleticism because that basement ceiling is pretty low. So for us to be dunking for at least until middle school shows that we had no hops at all. But, um, but that's kind of how it started for me. It's been in the blood. My dad played. He's from Brooklyn, so basketball was big for him growing up. And they always, you know, we competed. It didn't matter how young I was. They would they would put me out on the court and they would try to beat me up. So that's kind of how I got introduced and 
where I got some of my toughness from. Think about it. Both of you kind of that passion started at an early age and yep. two different paths to get there, whether it's whether the situations were different, whether it's family, the teams you guys are playing on, but it all kind of ends up in the same place where you are now, both loving the game, which is just super cool to think about. And you both touched on your parents a lot of, in terms of how they helped you kind of just get started with the game. But who are some of your other mentors, whether they're coaches or teammates that, that kind of also helped you on that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's evolved over time, truthfully. I always had idols who I looked up to, and I had kind of always said I had three guys in the NBA, and when I would tell people those three, they looked at me like I was crazy. So I always used to say I looked up to Steve Nash, Chauncey Billups, and Ray Allen, which really none of those guys are like all-stars from top to bottom, um, but they're kind of all just role guys who do all the little things. So those are my guys in the NBA. And then I always love watching Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. Gino R.E.M., I think as a coach, just in the girls' world, has just really, really exemplified perfection um, and excellence and just the standard that he holds players to. So I think on a professional level, those have been my role models that I looked up to from a very young age. And then I think as I got older, I met people who passed my, um, who crossed my path a little bit, and some of the coaches that I've had who really became role models for me on a personal level. Chauncey Billups radar, that's a good one. Chauncey Billups is a really good one. I actually did a book report on him in fourth grade, and yeah. the boys in the class were like, "You know who that is?" <laughs> and He's I was a like, winner. "Of course." Winner. Just only winner, person, winner. only player ever to beat Michael to have a winning record against Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe. The guy is big time. He's a big time role player. The Detroit Pistons used to have a squad with quite a few of those guys on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, my high school coach at my first public school, Lawrence High School, uh, his name was Coach Woods, and he was really it was the time when Coach Carter came out. <laughs> um, and he was really, really like identical to Coach Carter. He's an older guy and. He really didn't – he really focused on building us as young men rather than basketball players first, and it really stuck out for me, and he kind of brought me in, and he was the high school coach, and he knew that I was pretty good growing up, so he actually, like, started to become my mentor and really start to show me the ropes as a sixth grader. He would bring me into practice. He would show me, you know, what it took to, to play at the varsity level at such a young age and uh, really help develop me as a young man, not even basketball player. So that really stuck with me. And he's still my mentor and one of the closest people to me to this day, which is awesome. Um, and then I had another, you know, when I transferred to Lujai, it was Coach Carey who taught me a little bit different parts of the game that I didn't know, but I also looked up to him because of how, you know, how just particular he was with basketball and the way that you had to play. And then my college coach was another one who was a, another guy who kind of builds you up. You know, he tried to build you up as a, as a young man first and then athlete came second so it, it all kind of rubbed off on me because when I coach and Christina could tell you it's kind of you know what some of our empire values basketball comes second to us you got we're trying to build you as a young person first so my mentors really you know stuck out for me and, and you know rubbed off on me as now as a coach and trainer that I'm really just trying to build a person mentally and you know as a human being first and then basketball second. That's so interesting because a lot of times when I, when I talk to people about their mentors that really help them, it always comes back to now how they're returning the favor and, and mentoring other people now that, they, that mm -hmm. they've reached that point. So it's super interesting you bring that up because, I mean, obviously you guys have had great playing careers and then you guys end up transitioning into coaching. What did that transition into coaching and, and being a mentor for others kind of look like for you once you got out of college and stopped playing? Because you both went right into it after graduating, which is super cool. Yep. 
Yeah, I think it was a pretty unique transition. I mean, a little hard at times because to an extent, Derek and I both spoke about, we were playing basketball from a young age with one of those plastic hoops. So when you have to take a step back and have a different role, I think it's really interesting. I know for me personally, I was ready when my college career was over and I knew that I wanted to come back and coach at the high school that I went to and learn as much as I possibly could. Um, I kind of just wanted to be a sponge and just be around high level basketball. I wanted to be a part of a program that talked about the little things. I wanted to be a part of a program that competed at a high level, but kind of like, like DK just said, a program that also worked on building for me, young, young female athletes and the doors that that could open up for them because, you know, the ball stops bouncing. So at that point for me, it wasn't like my career was ending, but it was like another door had opened that my last however many years had opened for me and I could now be a role model for some of these younger girls and give to them what I was just given for all that time. And I think it's really special because you take bits and pieces of similar to to coach Derek. I mean, I came back and I decided to, or I was fortunate enough to join the staff of my high school coach. So I played for him for four years at Lujai, went on to college. And the second I graduated, I said, I need to come back. I'll take a a sub position. I'll get my master's, but I I know I want to come back and learn as much as I can. So being able to transition even in relationships, because you have a relationship with your coach Mm -hmm. as a player. And then you have a relationship from an adult's level of being on their staff and learning those different roles and how to give kids different things. Some of what, some of what you had and also some of what you didn't have. So kind of just tying it in, bringing it full circle. And then, you know, that's the cool part in all of this is you get to decide what your non-negotiables are. You get to decide out of all the books you've read, out of all the practices you've been to, the coaches you've played for, what are, what are my non-negotiables? What's important to me? And I think that's really shaped our program um, and all the teams that we've been a part of is, is what's important to you. What are your, your values? And I think that looks different across the board, but if you don't have those experience and throughout that transition, you're not surrounded by awesome people who want to watch you grow and be a part of something special. you're not fostering that, but when you're able to really grow on and off the court and listen, that doesn't stop. You know what I mean? We're coaches now, but we're still learning every single day. So I think that's probably the the most interesting part of the transition is you're just being a student of the game in another way. Yeah. Like similar to Rady. um, Once my college career was over, I I knew it was time to not hang them up, but I knew that I wanted to transition from, you know, uh, from just putting in the daily grind of playing for like my whole entire life. I knew that I wanted to be part of the game in a different way. And even when I was younger, like I, for me, I was um, like Friday nights. I didn't really, I wasn't a going out type kid like me and my cousin and one of my best friends, we'd kind of like stay home and just like rep out and do just like training on our own. And it was like, from then on, like when I, when I love training with a coach and then I love to start training on my own and doing drills on my own, I knew that this was my passion. Um, so as soon as I finished college, like you said, I jumped right into it. I got a, um, a teaching job in Brooklyn in Bed-Stuy. And I think I actually subbed at Lujai first, but then I got a teaching job in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And I told the AD like first day, uh, he's a guy from Long Island. So it, it worked out, you know, fine. I said, I want to help you guys out. So I volunteered, you know, in Bed-Stuy where I wasn't really comfortable. I put myself in a situation where I wasn't used to, but it helped me, you know, build and become, a, you know, the man I am today. But 
So I, I went into volunteer there. And then I coached at Hewlett High School, which was down the road from me growing up. And I, I got some experience there. So like Christina said, I knew that I had to become a student of the game in a different way. So I wanted to get as much experience as possible. So in Brooklyn, I gained a little experience from, you know, city basketball. And then I came back to Long Island and I gained some more experience, you know, just following how the Hewlett coach did things and how much film he watched. The coach at Hewlett, Bill Dubin, was actually a football guy. So like he loved watching film. So for me, it was eye-opening. I used to watch film in college, but now as a coach, you watch it in a different light. You're working on scout and stuff like that. So I gained a little knowledge and I was a student game. I learned from there. And then uh, luckily I was able to come back to the alma mater of Luhai and coach with Coach Buck, who was my assistant coach growing up. And then from there, just like Christina kept saying, you become a student of the game and you learn and you learn and you learn. And then um, as much as you learn, you get to kind of, you know, when you coach your own teams, like we do for our empire teams or in our own trainings, you get to kind of put things in your way and build what you want to build in, in your, your own like unique way. So you take from others and you learn, you learn, and then you kind of put your own unique pattern or form on it. And that's how you, you know, continue the process of coaching and training. And that's kind of where we're at now with empire. I think Christina and I have both took the knowledge that we got from other coaches and we've kind of put what most stood out or was most important to us. And we've kind of put that right in front of our forefront or, and that's kind of how we built the empire, uh, you know, our empire program. Of course. And right before we jump into empire, I saw the video you put up about how there's a spot and a fit for everyone. And you just spoke about, I mean, the biggest thing you just spoke about is being a sponge for information, but you also kind of touched on at the beginning was having that kind of self-awareness to know what you, what you like and don't like. So in that video, you really did a great job of articulating that idea of there's a spot and a fit for everyone in this room, for everyone on this team, for everyone that there is. Those words are really passionate too. Christina could tell you, and we're in the same, like we really care about kids. We really, really do. Like with our training and our coaching, like we're not just out there and, you know, rolling out the basketballs and go through a couple, like, right. For, so for that, from that talk, it was really just me. It was a workout I was having with high school kids and they were kind of just like, weren't going as hard as I'd wish for them to do in that particular day. And I know a lot of those kids in that group want to or say they want to play Division One basketball. And I felt that it was the right time for me to just let them know, like, hey, it's OK if you don't go to Division One. I. I think a lot of kids around the island and even across the, you know, across the globe are so focused and fascinated on the Division One, you know, bound. I want to be a Division One bound athlete, but it doesn't always work out that way. And, you know, for me, it's just it really is for me. So, you know, Christine and I both played Division Three basketball. And I think it was a great fit for both of us. So even when I'm training, like kids are like, why didn't you go play division one? You shoot so well. Little do they know I couldn't jump over a phone book, but still like, <laughs> you, but you, you like you, so you try to tell them like, Hey, it's not always about, you know, what level you go to. Like I, I met with my college coach before I went there and it was a great fit because I met with him. He, you know, he was a fit of what I was looking for in college, which was building young men and helping you get a job after college and, uh, it's not always about basketball. It's it's about where you can fit in, where you can, you know, th does that program, first of all, does the school have what you want academically, right? So Brockport had a great phys ed program. I knew I wanted to do that. That's a great fit. Does their style of play fit you, right? They were up and down. I love to go up and down, pressure, uh, move the ball, get a lot of open shots. That's how they play. Boom, that checked the box. Um, and then the coaching situation, I'll, as you can tell, I had a lot of mentors growing up. So having a coach that could relate to me and be there for me when I needed, you know, not even basketball advice, but life advice, 
that it was another check of the box. So that's kind of where that talk came into play. Like these kids got to stop with the fascination of division one. And I think they really need to go where they fit in their like realistic level of play. Um, and I think that, you know, it's funny after I, that video came out, there's a bunch of kids that end up going D3, D2 that texted me and kind of messaged me on the side and said, thank you so much. Like I needed that message. And I didn't really know it at the time that, that I was going to go that way. And, you know, went kind of viral on Twitter, which was pretty cool. Um, but a lot of kids were, were like side texting me and side, you know, messaging me saying that it was, you know, thank you so much for that. Like I really needed you or I needed somebody to just kind of point that out that it's okay to not go division one. It's okay to go D2 or D3 um, and really go where you fit as a, as a per person and player. Coach, just to add to that, I, I think it's something we see a lot, but you hit the nail on the head when you said it's okay. And I think yep. that's something that these kids need to hear more because let me tell you, there is no shame in playing at any different level at the college level. Nope. I, we, we deal with it a ton, um, but just explaining the different levels. And I think the knowledge behind it, and I'm definitely, a, a, I don't want to say a victim of it, but I'm guilty of it when I was in high school. Um, I was very, very fortunate. My head coach at the time, Rich Slater, was very brutally honest. And I had yep. a couple of, low low division one schools who had come to a couple workouts and we're talking semi-interest and at the time I thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing in the world like you get letters and whatnot and I played on a really solid AAU team so we're talking like my best friend was going to West Virginia my other best friend was Col Colgate Fairfield you name it so I was like I have to play division one basketball <laughs> he sat me down in a room with my parents and he said the head coach hasn't watched you play once I said, yes. So the assistants have been here a bunch. And he goes, you need to go visit Trinity College. It's one of the best academic institutions in the country. It does not matter what division it is. If you like it, you're going there. And I was like, you're crazy. I, I don't want, I didn't work this hard to play division three. Right. He goes, Chris, some D3 schools can beat up on a ton of D2 schools. And some D2 mm -hmm. schools can beat up on a ton of D1 schools. And you know what? You're not going to the WNBA. So you're going to get a great education and you're going to be ready for whatever life has to give you. And I, I think that's really important because we're always worried about hurting people's feelings and putting offers on Instagram and Twitter yep. and the social media kind of just kills that. But are we guiding these kids to, to the best of their ability? Like the goal is for them to be successful. The transfer rate is the highest it's ever been in college basketball right now. So when we're having these kids pick schools, is it so they could have a cool graphic, right? And exactly. they can feel good about it in the moment to say that they played division one basketball, or are we actually preparing them to be successful young men and young women off the court and preparing them to have a successful four years in the classroom and on the court? So I think that's really huge. And I, I don't think people talk about it enough, honestly. Yep. And coach, just to build off that, it starts at home too. Like for me, uh, you said, you know, on your team, you had kids going to West Virginia. So for me, I mean, I was blessed to have great players at Lujai. I mean, Tobias Harris in the NBA, uh, Ash Akuba went to Villanova. I think our whole, you know, pretty much seven kids of the of the 12 on my, you know, senior varsity team went Division One probably. And then a couple of us went to D3. And it started at home. I mean, my parents said, hey, listen, this is decisions on you. Or, you know, those kids are a little higher level. And um, you know, are you okay with playing at this level and you should be playing, you should be okay with playing at this level. And, um, here's what, you know, why Brockport, SUNY Brockport's good for you. And 
So parents, I think, play a big role in that as well. And if it's lacking, that's kind of where, where Christina and I and other, you know, coaches come in. And that's where that speech came in. You know, it seemed like some of those kids were a little kind of just kind of lost with the college process and with COVID going on. Some of them were a little confused, you know, going into their senior and junior year. So um, and just, you know, growing up, I, I think Christina can probably tell you, you know, we had aspirations. Obviously, when you're younger and you're a basketball player, I want to go to the NBA. I want to go to the WNBA. So for me, I started to go to higher level basketball camps and I kind of got to realization that I wasn't that level and it was okay. Like I was still pretty good, but I wasn't going to the NBA. And that's kind of around my, I think, sophomore year of high school or junior year or even freshman year. I was just like, hey, listen, I'm going to play as hard as I can. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to give the maximum effort. And wherever I end up playing, that's the best thing for me. But I know at the end of the day that I gave it my all. And that's that's something that these kids should know. It's okay. Like we keep saying that those those words right there. It's okay if you try your hardest, give your maximum effort, and you just end up going where you 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 know you fit best. And it's okay if it's not Duke University. I think it's important that it's it's more than it's more than okay. Like it's right. not, it's not settling. You know, there's a home and there's a fit for everybody. And like coach said, whether that be the style of play, the academics, do they have your major? you'd be surprised how many kids don't even look to see if they have their major. Exactly. Yep. And, and it's such a finite number that go on to play at the next level. And we've been really fortunate to have kids who do, but the majority, they have to go get a master's. They have to be in the job force. So what are we doing to help everybody? I think is because you can't coach every kid the same way. So what are we doing to best prepare them is what it comes down to. That obviously perfectly exemplifies the whole philosophy behind Empire. Can you kind of take us back to kind of the origins and how you two kind of came together and had the idea of creating Empire? So Coach and I and our our other partner have been together for a long time. We actually, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. We went to high school together. I I tell a couple (laughs) of people this one. So I don't even know her in high school, John. I, I don't even know she was there. JH, you have no idea. They didn't speak to me in high school. I was a freshman and they didn't even talk to me in the hallway. Fast forward, we own a business together. We were focused, John. We were focused on basketball. Full full circle. (laughs) Um, So we had kind of, you know, coaching at Lehigh, we became very close, the guy staff and the girl staff and whatnot. And we had worked with a couple different companies beforehand that didn't work out. And, you know, just being together all the time, talking X's and O's, talking about our values, talking about our culture. Why don't we do this on our own? Right? Like we're so passionate about it. Let, let's share this with everyone and let's create something that's really, really special. So we kind of got together and we spoke about what we felt Long Island was missing basketball wise. And to us, those were our, you could call them our non-negotiables, but our really important parts. And we say it all the time, but when we were talking about our really important parts and they kind of just fell into place, we were very lucky. We were all very aligned with what we, what we expected of kids, what our expectations for a program were. And we really, we, we complement each other nicely with our skill sets. I mean, you're, you're looking, coach Derek is probably one of the best on the court guys there is. You, you can't find better energy wise and whatnot. And our other business partner, he takes care of stuff behind the scenes and we, we just complement each other nice and filled in missing pieces. So when we all had the same values and we all kind of looked at each other, like we, we could give something really special to Long Island basketball right now. And I, I don't know where this is going to take us, but we mm-hmm. love what we're doing and, and we're having a good time. And if we can share this with other kids, why not? Let's try it. And 
from there, honestly, it took off. Um, and I think a lot of kids bought into what we were about and it's not for everybody. And I say that all the time. I think we attract a very specific type of athlete and we've had kids who have kind of molded into that type of athlete. I mean, the little things that we expect of kids, I don't know how many AAU programs are yelling at kids for not running over and helping a teammate up or for not giving touches or for not talking or doing the little things that we call them. So those are, those are our really important pieces where, you know what, it's, it's not the popular opinion. Sometimes it's, you're not going to get yourself in the box score that way. You're not going to be on the front page of the newspaper, but those little things we kind of came up with and said, if our empire kids can embody this, whenever they walk into any tryout, another gym, another workout, we want people to be able to say, oh, that's an empire kid. That kid hustles, runs through the lines, talks it up, gives touches, talks teammates up, and most importantly, makes someone else better. And we kind of decided that it, throughout our careers, both coaching and playing, those little things are the difference between good and great. So when we came together and we came up with those special things, it was easy because we were on the same page. We believe in the same thing. We preach the same thing. Our heart is in the same place. Um, so that part, that took care of it. And I think that's the part that people like, they put on paper and they want to talk about what makes them different. But for us, that was in our hearts. And we very, very fortunately, we just, we all believe it. So when you believe something, it, it kind of just bleeds from you. You know, it's contagious. Okay, that, that, that's super cool. And then how difficult is it to accomplish that in, in an AAU environment where those values of picking up your teammate or giving touches doesn't always come first? Um, Christina is really passionate about this, about the social media age, but I'll, I'll start on it. Um, we, so the way that we do things, it's really, it's so different. It really is like, like Christina said, I don't know how many programs are like yelling at a kid for, for not like giving a teammate a high five. Like you don't see that often. So I guess they see us doing it at a pretty high level with our high schools. And then we kind of bring it back down to our youth programs. And that kind of helps, you know, it definitely helps seeing the, the higher level kids, you know, not posting too much on social media. Like some of our high schools have social media bans. So that's kind of, that kind of helps. Um, but with our program, like I remember our, one of our first clinics where we demanded like high fives and high energy and clapping. I remember parents coming up to Christina and I and saying like, where have you guys been? Like we've been trying to find a program in Long Island that brings the energy that you guys do, that preaches and that preaches teamwork, that preaches hard work, that preaches like putting yourself second and putting your teammates first. Like, where are you guys from? A different planet. <laughs> and um, and like Christina said, it's something that we really are passionate about and have been, you know, luckily, you know, we were blessed to have coaches that kind of brought us up that way. So now we're carrying it out but it was definitely lacking in the social media age because all you see on social media is like me, 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 me. I'm cool. I got different color shoes on. I'm wearing an arm sleeve and we're really, really trying to change the culture of that. And um, it makes kids feel good. I think that's kind of one big reason how it's been working and how we're kind of changing the narrative. Kids feel good when their teammates are giving them high fives. Kids feel good when the coaches or their, their people surrounding them are clapping them up during a drill. They don't feel good when someone's, you know, kind of giving them the cold shoulder or throwing their hands up in the air if they if they mess up. So we really harp on those things and we harp on them nonstop. So 
you know, they hear from us for about an hour and a half throughout the day or something, and then they'll come back the next week and they'll do the same thing and we'll have to yell at them again. So for us to try to get them out of the, I guess, the mindset you were talking about where this AAU, um, the AAU culture is kind of about me, me, me stuff. We harp on it so much and we kind of like don't stop until they do what we're asking that that's kind of how we're trying to change the narrative. We're like relentless about our culture being better than that culture. And uh, I think parents being bought in and, and kind of like, I think parents are buying in and then that helps the kids buy in too. Like I've been, you know, I'm sure Rachel can say the same thing, but I've been to a workout now where I have a couple kids and their parents are clapping up on the sidelines. <laughs> And they're like, Empire Family, let's go. This is, so they're firing up themselves and they're trying to fire up the kids. And then the kids kind of buy into like, oh, okay. If my mom or dad's really clapping me up, then I should probably start doing it too. So it's like a full family affair. Like we're really making an impact on kids. And I can't tell you how many times we've had parents come up to us and say, you've completely changed my son or daughter. Like before they met your program, they were really kind of like in a weird stage of, you know, being selfish or kind of doing the wrong things in school. And no joke, since they've been with you guys, they're very respectful. They, they, they cheer their teammates up. They clap their teammates up. Even if they're playing like in a CYO and they're not on our team, they're still carrying out our values. And the parents are so happy that we've taught them that. Um, like if you hit a free throw, you need to go over and, and, and high five your teammate. So parents are starting to take notice of that. Other programs are starting to take notice of that. I've had parents come from other teams and say, you guys do things so differently. Like, what do you, like, I need to be part of Empire. So it's just by carrying out those non-negotiables that we say that we just keep harping, keep harping on them, keep harping on them. And that's really our culture. And we don't, we don't bend or we don't break and we, and we stick to it. And I know Christina probably wants to add on to, to that social media uh, culture that goes on. So go ahead, coach. Oh, social media. <laughs> do I love that stuff? If I didn't have to have an Instagram and I, trust me, I would be so far off of that stuff, but you know, I think it's all just giving them the proper tools to use these things. Um, Coach mentioned an important part just about our parents buying in and whatnot. And I I'll be the first to admit, I'm really, really harsh with our parents at the beginning of the year. And I, I think it's something that I've personally just decided for all these teams that I, that I coach and I'm talking like fifth grade girls, some of them, it was their first time playing basketball. We have a parent meeting and I say, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> like, don't call me. If you're, if you have a concern about health, safety, you have my number, text me 24 hours of the day. But if you want to talk to me about playing time, how about getting in the car, telling your kid, you know, why don't you, why don't you call coach Christina? I will talk to a kid any hour of the day, any hour of the day. Coach, why, why did I come out at that point? And I think the key there is everybody buying into the process, right? Yeah, coach, we, coach, that's we, big. We talked about on the court, off the court, being prepared. I think that's probably one of the biggest themes of what Coach and I have mentioned. And I think it really comes down to, like, we're in an age where you're hiding behind a screen. Mom and dad are reaching out to coaches. Like you're trying to tell me when so-and-so gets to college and they get a C on their first paper, you're calling up the professor. So we, we really try to encourage like relationships with these kids. They know we love them. They know we care about them. I mean, some kids drive from over two hours away to come to workouts every week. So I think that's really important is starting to just build that accountability, those relationships, because they can't get in the car. If mom and dad aren't on the same page as us, we're not going to get anywhere. 
right? We all need to kind of be on the same page. We're all on the same team. You, you know what? Instead of why didn't I play? Well, I don't know. Why don't you ask coach what you can do better? And the coolest right. thing in the world was when I had a fifth grade girl at the end of the year say, what can I do to play more? And fine, I'll give you a list of things. You know what I mean? And, and that's exactly what, and guess what? She, she changed half of those things and the kid played and started for us the next season. So I think that's really what it's about when it comes down to those things. Cause especially, I mean, I don't want to go too far on a rant about the social media stuff, but inevitably and just inherently social media preaches me, 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 me. I mean, very, very rarely do you see a video of a kid making a great pass and it's not about the Euro step finish. It's, it's just, it, it's about, it's a me thing. It's a highlight tape. It's a this. I mean, what about like bench celebrations and stuff like that? So I think if you could call a timeout in a game and get livid with kids because they didn't run over to pick a kid when she fell off, when she fell over on the baseline, that's when you're really teaching them things because, and I say this at a lot of our workouts, but one day they're not going to be with us and they're going to be at a high school workout. They're going to be at a tryout. They're going to be trying out for their varsity team. And if you sprint over and help a kid or give high fives and you don't shut up the entire time, I promise you, if you're a fringe kid, there's going to be a spot for you on the team. You're going to find a way onto that roster because programs need culture. So I think if our kids can, can be culture builders and we like to say energy givers, not energy takers, um, I, I think that's a really big thing, and that's a defining quality of what we hope our athletes eventually embody. I don't, I don't think, and I, unless they're, unless a kid's taking a really, really bad shot, uh, like I tell kids all the time, I'm never going to yell at you for shooting the ball. But if you don't sprint over to help your teammate off the floor, the whole gym is going to know. <laughs> the whole gym is going to know. So, so true. it's just, <laughs> um, so it, it's cool that you know they've. You know, like like we keep saying, the parents buy in and the kids are starting to buy in. So our empire culture has been so strong. And I think that's really helped us uh, grow as a program in such a short amount of time. And I think it's interesting. This doesn't happen overnight. We didn't wake no. up and 50 kids just showed up to a clinic and we're like, yeah, like, let's clap it up. Let's talk it up. Uh, we used to run clinics and, and coach and I used to preach this. And some kids would look at us like we were insane. Like, wait a second, you care that I point at somebody after they gave me a good pass for a layup? Like, this coach is crazy. And I, I think after being with us in the gym and they understand that, like, this isn't fake. Like, I, I treat Coach Derek this way. I treat our other yep. coaches this way. I bring the same type of energy when they do something great that they, they almost understand, like, oh, no, we really mean this. This is not, oh, it looks good. No, this is something that in our hearts, like we feel very passionately about and something that's going to separate you and make you a better person. So I think that's really key, but it's definitely a process, you know, especially just going back to the AAU world and the age of social media and high school basketball, college basketball, that landscape, it's an uphill battle. I, I don't think that it's the norm. I don't think kids are being taught this necessarily all over the place. And it's not to say other programs aren't. I think a ton of programs do great things. But when it comes to that stuff, some kids look at you. I've never been asked to do this in my life, but I've worked on off-foot layups and underhand uh, on the other Still side. Finishes. So it, it's it's just a it's a it's a different expectation, and I think kids really appreciate it because they get to feel a part of something 
and like their teammates and coaches really care about them. I think the word is, uh, we haven't said it yet, but we're like kind of building around the word. It's accountability. Like our coaches, I, I, Christina could tell you how many times, hey coach, I don't like your energy. And she'll tell me, leave me alone, but I don't like your energy. So if we can t keep each other accountable, like we're obviously going to keep our kids accountable. And like, if they see us, if they see me talking to coach Rady and I'm talking to her to pick her energy up, they should probably be doing the same thing. If I'm not scared to tell coach, they shouldn't be scared to tell their teammate to pick the energy up. And like, they got to put, you know, for our older kids, younger kids, they kind of just maybe will bicker back and forth and we'll tell them that's not the way it should be. But some of our older kids, what we'll say is like, just check your ego at the door. If a teammate tells you to do something, it's for, you know, for the betterment of the team. Um, and it just, we just, like, culture is literally my middle name. He's not lying. So, like, this, I really, I, I pride, I, you know, we pride ourselves on, on culture more than the basketball. Like, if we lose a game, it's fine. But if we sprinted to help our teammate up and we were cheering on the bench, and I know Coach can tell, tell you from her fifth grade team, I don't know how much games they won in the fall, but she loved coaching them because their energy was through the roof. So we care more about that stuff because in the end, we're trying to build young people. We're not, you know, no one's, you know, we're not going to be Michael Jordan or Sue Birds overnight, but we can put small drops in the bucket of building young men and women. And that's really our, our mission as a program. That's great. And you both kind of touched on this idea, whether it's accountability or culture, but what's one word you'd each use to describe just what Empire is all about? One word. One word. That's hard. I can't use culture, John. I mean, like you could have, but you guys have said it so many times. I don't know. What about two words, J.H.? Two words, two words is good. Two words is good. I oh, personally would yeah. say little things. Um, mm. And I, like I, again, I, I think that's a unique one because it's really not something you find on Twitter. Or, but the little things, like Coach says, touch that line. Oh, everybody better touch the line because that's a respect right. thing. That's, a, that's an attention to detail. And that's a little thing that I, I love the analogy. I don't want to copy coach, but a drop in the bucket. We're not beating up on the best team in two days. You know what I mean? But we're getting 1% better every day and we're doing these little things. Or eventually, you know what? Those little things add up. You're going to be quite the individual player and quite the team. So I think if you can then be, like I said, an energy giver, and not an energy taker wherever you go. And it doesn't have to be in an empire jersey. It could be whatever jersey you put on. I think it all comes down to doing those little things. And that makes you coachable. That makes you a great teammate. Um, and I mean, those are probably the highest compliments you can receive in the game of basketball. I'm trying to think of my word over here, but. Yeah, your turn. Uh, try to beat that. Little things. Uh, a little things is pretty good. I'm going to try to keep it at one word. I don't know. I usually get like deep and stuff. I'm just going to go with positivity, coach. What do you think about that one? That's a pretty good one. That's, that's yeah, pretty just, good. I think positivity, I think I'm sure there could be better words than if I was, you know, John, you caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But positivity, I think it goes like hand in hand with our program. It doesn't matter if you're winning, if you're losing, if you messed up, if you dribbled the ball off your foot, if you... You know, you, you threw the ball off the backboard by accident on the side of the backboard. If you airballed a shot, I think our whole thing and our coaches and our teammates and everything that we represent is just being bringing positivity to these kids' lives, especially during these times with COVID going on. I can't tell you how many emails we've got uh, just saying, like, you guys have been the positive light in these kids' lives during this time. So that's where positivity came. It just I'm just picturing all these emails and texts, like, 
You guys have been a positive light. You guys have been the positive force in their lives during this time. And I think that goes a long, long way. And I think it's way bigger than basketball. I think just us, like we were doing Zoom sessions. We were doing, uh, tw you know, Twitch workouts where we're just kind of like Coach Leon and Coach Rady and I, who, you know, Coach Leon's one of our other coaches. But we're just like bringing a ton of energy during where there's a time of like really uncertainty and, and you know, just uh, unprecedented time. And we brought that positivity. I think that goes a long way. Of course, that's fantastic. And, and Christina, it's obviously a difficult transition to go from assistant coach to head coach and during any time. But obviously during a COVID environment where there's so much uncertainty off the court about whether or not you'll be on the court, that obviously poses its own issues and its own obstacles. What's that kind of been like for you in, in, in taking up this new challenge? Well, if you ask me tomorrow, that could be a different answer, actually. Um, I really do feel like that changes on a 24-hour basis at this point. But you know what? I've been really, really blessed to be surrounded by great people, and I have a great support system. And I do think, to an extent, you can get through You're anything welcome. if you, if you, yeah, he's part of it. Um, if, if you surround yourself with the right type of people, so I think this was a transition that I'll be honest, I was really nervous for. Um, and I think I, I would have been just as nervous if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. So to add everything to that, I mean, I, I know you don't know me overly, overly well, but you know me well enough to know that I have severe OCD, right? <laughs> so I had said yes to the job and no more than two weeks later, I had 23 games on the schedule and I was ready to roll. My practice plans were, oh, they were all ready. And those 23 games, they slowly started dropping off and I was watching the news every morning and that's how I would cross games off. I would say, Oh, Maryland put a band on can't can't play, uh, can't play there for a little while up, oh, take that game off in December. So for me, that was really tough because I wasn't able to see the girls right away. Um, I obviously knew all of them. I was an assistant coach, but it was tough because a ton of anxiety, a ton of uncertainty and, for me, I'm all about controlling things. So it was really hard for me to lose control in this new situation where what on earth am I stepping into? Like, are we going to play basketball next year? What is this going to look like? And I think as time went on, you know, you kind of roll with the punches, you take it day by day. I, I'm sure I've made a ton of mistakes already, but I think it's also about making mistakes, making adjustments, learning from them. And I think you really can't make this up what, what's going on and just the guidelines. And it's true. It's, it's ever changing, but you know what, if you surround yourself by the right people. And again, I'm fortunate because I have a great, great group of girls to work with. It hopefully makes it that much easier, right? Cause if you go to work every day and you do what you love, you might be uncertain. I might stay up until 3am freaking out about who we're playing on what day is this showcase canceled? Like, you know, I mean, right now we're in groups of four, we're in pods and we're working out in mask, non-contact. If you would have asked me a November, what's today? November 4th, November yeah. 4th, if we wouldn't have put in a secondary break, I would have told you you were crazy because I would have had that in four weeks ago. So I, I think it's really about just being adaptable um, and it's really testing how much people how much people taught me, you know, like what, what are these experiences? How did people that I respect deal with stressful situations? Did they crumble or did they keep a positive attitude, uh, empower people be like, it, it, it really comes back to that is how are you empowering people to perform anyway and to be the best of the best? And I think 
I'm, I'm a slight perfectionist, which listen, it's a blessing and it's a curse, but I, I think it's really important because we got to do things the right way. And these kids have to be at a certain level and whatnot. So you find a way. And I think it, it's not ideal. It's not anything what I imagined. It's a strange transition, but you know what? You wake up every day and you get to play basketball and your family's healthy, your support systems, family the gr- uh, are healthy. The girls are healthy. You're doing what you love could always be worse. Of course. And I mean, you touched on a little bit at the beginning and about, so for those that don't understand how much of a powerhouse Lehigh is, you guys are one of the best teams in the country and you do play a lot of games out, out of the state against other top five, top 10 schools in the country. So when you, when you had said, Oh, you know, looking at it at a state-by-state basis, some people might've been like, Oh wow. Like they are playing that many games out of state. And yes, it's because you guys are that good. What kind of do you see is like the biggest difference, both with playing against these powerhouses that are in other states and, and basketball is different everywhere. What, what do you kind of see there? I mean, it's interesting and coach Derek can tell you a little bit about it too, but it's not like you're just showing up on a Thursday, rolling in the gym, 20 minutes on the clock. Like we treat our programs like college programs. Um, I, I think it's all about being prepared and you're playing against some of the best athletes in the country, which is really unique because at the high school level, I mean, you think about the opportunity at the college level, very few kids get the opportunity to be in in the tournament every single year and to have a championship opportunity, whether that be at the conference level or in the tournament level. And we're so fortunate that when we turn on the TV, we've played a ton of those kids. Like who can really say that about the NCAA tournament or the final four? Oh, you remember when we played her at the uh, she got game in DC? Yeah. She, She gave us 20. Yeah. You know, something like that, but it's such an experience because these kids, A, don't realize how cool it is, but B, you're traveling all over the country playing the best of the best. And I tell kids who are always interested in, in coming, if you want to be challenged and if you want to play the best of the best in the country, we're for you. And if that's not, and if it's not, and you want to score 45 points a game, it's not us. You know, it's, it's really about our culture. We don't have kids that do that. But if you want to come and be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, I think it's a really cool opportunity to compete at the highest possible level. Um, And I think that looks like a variety of different things. I mean, coach will tell you the amount of film we watch is madness. The amount of times we go over sets. I mean, I'll leave my office midday and coach Derek will draw up a set in the gym and show me. And I'm like, Oh, I like that. What, what if you did this differently? So it's a, it's a coaching job, but it's also a lifestyle. You know, it's a, it's an everyday type of thing. I wouldn't have it any other way because if, if you're going to compete at that level, you have no choice. Yeah. So you spot on with that, John, it's definitely a lifestyle. Uh, I think, you know, my wife, uh, when she first met me, she was like, Oh, okay. You're a basketball coach. That's cool. So basketball's, you know, a couple months, I'll, you know, we're both teachers. You'll have summers off and that's, that's cool. And uh, I think she soon began to realize that basketball is an all year, 12 month, <laughs> nonstop, 24 um, seven, you know, during the season, you know, I probably see my, you know, our, our staff and our kids more than my family. Um, and, you know, like Christina said, we watch tons of film. We're practicing six days a week for two and a half hours. Plus you got to work on you know, getting extra shots with your, with your one, you know, some of your players, uh, plus you got to take some of them home sometimes or put them to the, you know, get them to the train. 
So it, it's funny. Like I always see these, these things on Twitter and social media, like being a coach is not just a coach. You're also like a psychiatrist, you're a taxi, you're a mentor, you're a role model. So like being a coach is definitely not just that. It's like Christina said, it is a, it a 24, seven, 12 months a year lifestyle that, um, if you love it, it's the best thing in the world, which Christina and I do. So we don't look at it as a hassle. We look at it as something that we really love to do. And like, you know, uh, Christina and I both say the same thing when we, you know, cause I run some of our preseason workouts. Like we really love being in the gym at this particular moment of the day, because it's all we could think about. Um, just being in the gym with the kids and, and getting their work in for the two hours, even though we can't go to contact and everyone has a mask on, it's still the best part of the day that you get into the gym and, and, and coach basketball for really cool young, young people. So, um, you know, and then you talk about the traveling part last year was a unique year for us, but we went to Myrtle beach, Hawaii and Florida back to back to back, uh, maybe with like two or three days in between. And we played teams from all over the country and we got to travel. So it's cool where the game of basketball can take you, uh, especially when you coach it at a high, high level, which has been, uh, we've been blessed to do coach, coach Christina, coach Christina and I are both part of, you know, top 15 programs respectively for boys and girls. Um, and then the preparation, like she said, is it, just, it's, it takes a lot out of you and it, it's a lot of fun as well, but it's definitely a lifestyle. And I think coach, just to add to you, I mean, those are those are unbelievable life experiences and with that you're changing kids lives like we have yep. kids who leave other countries and leave their parents at the age of 16 to come try and be great because they they all have a common goal that they're they're all sacrificing something whether they're taking the train in driving an hour or like I said, living with a host family and, and leaving their family overseas. But they're all kind of giving up something for this chance to be great and compete at, at a high, high level. And I think when you really see all of that come together and you see what these kids give up and put into it and what the coaches give up and what they put into it, it's pretty special. Yeah, I agree. When you, when you, when you sit back and look at it, especially during you know last couple of years where the world has kind of been upside down and you get kids from Egypt, France, Sweden, and they all come together and like you actually like watch them compete and work as hard as they can and love each other. It's the best feeling in the world. It really is. Thank you both for helping. James was able to get tickets for the game against Sierra Canyon in February. And I was shocked that there was a high school basketball environment like that. Um, <laughs> sitting in that, sitting in a, in a packed arena watching, obviously you, you guys pulled out a great win against Bronny. Well, Bronny James, not that he, um, he came in for a little bit. He came in for a little bit in the second quarter, but it's like the Bronny James led because everyone just thinks that Bronny James yeah. led Sierra Canyon team. Like that, that was just that environment. And, and, and especially down the stretch when it got close, I mean, cause it was, it was close the whole game, but that was a fantastic environment that I, I never, I never thought I would see a high school basketball game like that. You and me both, John. <laughs> you was and that, me both. Was, that was, uh, that was by far the coolest basketball experience as a coach or player that I've been a part of. Really? And, um, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, just like Chris, Coach Christina said before, like the kids that we get, we, you know, we try to tell them, hey, listen, you're going to play at a high level. And you might not, you may play at a higher level here than you do in college. How many of our guys are going to be able to play a mm -hmm. basketball game on ESPN? <laughs> like that doesn't happen. That's like a one in a million chance. So for us to play LeBron James kid, not just play him, but play him on national TV in front of the whole world with a, with a packed crowd uh, was, was, was really like, 
a priceless experience that I will never forget. Our staff will never forget. And every kid that was part of that roster and was a part of that game last year will never forget. Um, that just And then you talk about preparation. They gave us a week to prepare. And if you know us, we're a bunch of nut jobs. When you give us like a week to prepare, we're not going to lose. It doesn't matter who we're playing. So we prepared really, really well. Our coaches did a good job. Our head coach did a good job. Our assistants and then our kids followed the game plan. And, well, I mean, obviously, if you were there, the kid Andre Corbello, who's at Illinois, put on an absolute show. Uh, I think the whole crowd, like you said before, you know, Bronny was young as a freshman, so he didn't do that well. But, you know, that's the headline. Come watch, you know, LeBron James kid and Sierra Cannon versus Luhai. You know, whoever Luhai has, doesn't matter. But LeBron's here. LeBron's kid's here. Um, so it went from that to I think about, you know, a little bit into the game when Andre was putting the basketball through the other team's legs and running floaters and had his tongue out and smiling and skipping <laughs> off the court. Um, I think that's when the whole gym started to realize like, you know, Lujan is no joke. And who is this, you know, Puerto Rican kid. And, you know, where, you know, what, how is he so good? And I think the crowd was just, you talk about like how, why it was so priceless. You know, when we got there, everyone was, the cameras were all on them during layup lines, the whole crowd, even, even people that I knew from Long Island, I said, come support Lujan. They were on the other side looking at Bronny. I'm like, Hey, wait, What's going on here? Uh, by, but by mid-game, you can see the crowd start to uh, start to change and really start rooting for us. And you saw how many supporters. It felt like it really felt like an old-school game when, you know, I obviously wasn't part of it, but when I think it was, uh, you know, the, the NYC player, um, who Felipe Lopez, who was big, you know, there's a bunch of Dominican following and, you know, you know, Coach Buck, one of our coaches and some of the guys that were younger said they used to go to city gyms and it used to feel like you were like in the Dominican Republic with all the flags and people cheering the guy on. You feel like he was a rock star. And that kind of was the feeling that we had. And it was really breathtaking to see how there was a bunch of, you know, just Puerto Rican flags flying around and a lot of people you like how much of an impact a high school basketball player can make on, on a crowd. And it was just talking about it. I'm getting goosebumps because it's just unbelievable to be part of. I'll be honest, I think that was my coolest coaching experience, and I was in the stands. <laughs> just just it, put that into yeah. perspective a little bit, but it it's, it was so awesome to be a part of, and obviously when our guys program does great things, I feel like I obviously am yep. a part of it, but um, just because we're all so close and whatnot, and that was a really, really special experience that I was just grateful to be in the stands for. Honestly, yeah. and, and that sounds crazy, but I mean, I remember I, I work in athletics at Lujai and we were talking about the game and communicating with some of the people who were running the event. And I was just like, I'm pretty excited to not be in a, an AD or a coach tonight and to just watch this watch. thing and be a part of it. And I think we drove like three and a half hours. It got there yep. super, super early, waited outside. And it was just really, really cool to be a part of. But those are the special moments, you know, no one's ever going to forget those. No, you'll never forget that. Here's a funny story. Um, there was a cool picture. I, I'm pretty humble, so I don't really talk about, like, you know, any of our successes. I really try not to. But I was at the beach, and um, I started talking about Luhai, and the guy didn't realize that I coached there just yet. And then we started talking, and I said, yeah, no, we were, you know, we played LeBron James kids, this, you know, this year. And he goes, wait a second. You were the guy in the picture that was screaming his head off with the, with the red tie. <laughs> and I was like, yep, so it's just cool, like, that that picture was out and like it was you know known nationally and it's just uh it was really really cool to be part of it really was 
Of course. And just like you guys said, I mean, I will never forget that day. And I, I don't see myself really definitely <laughs> not being in a, in, a, in a high school gym like that anytime soon. Uh, that kind of excitement, which is unfortunate. But I mean, hopefully, who knows, maybe in a few years, you guys could play against Ronnie James. I hope senior. So. so I mean, Christina, just off that topic of like crazy experiences, I, I remember you were when we went to Greece, you were shocked as to what was going on in the stands, whether it was with the flags and the flares and the chants. What, I mean, if you want to talk about that a little bit, like what you kind of thought about that experience and, and what you kind of taken back from Greece to the States and, and, and showing your Absolutely. players. Absolutely. It's actually funny timing, but I just wrote a college recommendation for one of the girls who I coached at Greece yesterday. And it kind of brought me back a little bit and I was reminiscing. So just to kind of expand on that a little bit, um, I was introduced to James, I guess, three years ago now, which is crazy. And it was one of those, experiences that almost seemed too good to be true like wait a second I get to coach basketball in Greece and I get to I get to go to Greece like I had never been there and my I remember my first thing that I had said to coach McCullough who introduced me to to James was wait a second I'm not Greek <laughs> and he was like Christina it doesn't matter and I was like I know but you said everyone's Greek and he was like, Christine is kind of a Greek name. You have brunette hair. It'll fly. Like these people are really, really nice. So I had no clue what to expect. And I think the whole experience was just kind of eye-opening. Like we talked about, like, I'm very prepared for things. Things have to be a certain way. So our first year going, I probably put in 52 sets and uh, <laughs> five or 10, five to 10 blobs and slobs and whatnot. And our, our kids were clapping it up. They were talking and they, they did not know what hit them. I think they, they definitely, definitely thought I was nuts slash like probably spoke about it on their own time, but we went and it was so much bigger than basketball. When we were there, the families, they took me in as their own. I think I got invited to like five summer homes in Greece. And <laughs> I, I just remember being like, you guys just met me and, oh, the dinners and they're talking and they're dancing. And to really learn about someone else's culture through the game of basketball was awesome. And, and that was basketball aside. So we're talking, we went to the professional game and I think I was in awe. Like I, I was kind of just staring like these people have chants that are just hours worth long. And, and they're mm. like songs that are ongoing and I'm looking around and I'm going, J.H., what are they saying? He's like, I can't repeat it. It's not, it's not great language. I'm like, come on. Like, what are they saying? He's like, no, no, no. I really, I really can't tell you. I'm like, and they're just everything you would imagine. Like you see a European soccer game, there's fires in the stands, like people, their bodies are painted. It's like NCAA final four times 10. And this is like a random game on a Tuesday night. We're talking. And it was really, really cool to just see the culture, the passion. And I was a little frightened at first, like these people <laughs> like have drums and they're, they're shouting for literally 20 minutes straight and it's a full on song, but you know, it was, it was a really cool opportunity to, to step out of your comfort zone. Um, I think to play some of the teams from there and to meet some of the coaches. I mean, there are coaches from Greece who I still speak to and we go back and forth. We talk about some kids, we talk about some sets, we talk about tournaments that they're running and to have that experience is something that's so unique and I'll be honest I was really impressed by the way they taught their kids fundamentals um, I thought they were all super fundamentally sound so I had asked James if I could sit in on one of their academy workouts and 
totally like, I don't know who this American chick is, but sure, she can come. And I watch them work kids out and I ask questions and I learned, I film things. So to have that type of experience at such a young age was really amazing because the game that obviously, I mean, you've gotten at this point, we clearly care a ton about and we love was able to open such a unique door. And now I've met a couple, I want to say a hundred kids at this point and family is who we have relationships with. And they're still coming to these workouts, that workouts, I'm writing a recommendation for a kid to go to school. Like they've just become ingrained in our life. And to think that wouldn't have happened without basketball is pretty crazy. But on top of that, I mean, learning about Greek culture, the fried cheese, everybody mm. should try. Like if they are huge on cheese and I'm a big cheese person, but like every dinner and, you know, it's just so unique. Like you're in another country learning about another culture, bonding with these people, all with a common love of basketball. So to really have that and to, to think like, wow, I'm seeing these beautiful places that I might never have gone to in my life. And this is what the game has done. I mean, James does an amazing, amazing job, just the organization, the itineraries, um, very thoughtful with the entire thing where it's not just a basketball experience. This is a cultural experience that these kids are never going to forget. But the, it's funny because the, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had, and sorry to go on a little rant, but they are so relaxed there. And I think I must have yep. said it three times, but like Miss OCD sitting over here, wow. extremely like on schedule. So a quick little story, but this is a good one. I had our kids text each other because, you know, you, you can't text regular text. So it's in WhatsApp and they're sending out group texts. And I'm like, OK, breakfast is at 830. The bus leaves at nine. Nobody's late. Right. So 830, I expect you to be at breakfast, sitting, have something to eat. Your shoes should be on. Your, your clothes are on. We're ready to go. And 830 comes. James is like, oh, like the, the bus is going to be a little late. I said, OK, no problem. Like, all right, 845. <laughs> James, are we going to leave nine o'clock? I'm like, James, the kids are supposed to be on the bus. And he's like, go get a frappe. You got to take a chill pill. Like you got to relax a little bit. So I'm like, all right, but we were supposed to leave five minutes ago. Like we're running a little late. So it's like, I think we'll wait for the boys. Mind you, I have a kid who's late for breakfast. Like I'm freaking out. Like I'm preparing for literally a top 10 team in the country. He's like, why don't you get another croissant? I'm like, all right. I just don't want to be late to the game though. Like this is a big game. We get to the gym 30 minutes early. It's not a big deal. James goes, did you have a heart attack or like, what's the deal? Other team's <laughs> not there. So I'm like, like, what is this? He goes, they'll be here. Don't worry. Girls start trickling in like 10 minutes to go. Happiest kids ever come over, shake my hand. Hi coach. It's nice to meet you. Five minutes to go on the game clock. The kids start their own warmups. There's no coach game time. I'm like, James, James, our kids are ready to go like at five minutes we knew exactly what we were doing in our warm-up the two minute mark came we were taking layups the 30 second they brought it in like we were ready to go 15 minutes later coach walks in and he has five frappes in his hands and he's like oh uh kalimara which means good morning impressed right change you know kalimara coach uh i got you a frappe and i'm like dude you're late like you're really, oh. really late. And he's like, do you want to sit and talk a little bit? Uh, we could, we could start the game. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. He's crossing his legs. He's got the frappe. I'm like, talk, we, we, we got to play this game. So he goes, Oh, you know what? I forgot something. I'm going to run out to the store. And I'm looking at this guy, like he's crazy. And he goes, coach, 
you're on island time now. You got to relax a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny because it actually made me like, huh, you know what, what what's the worst thing if this doesn't start right away? And that's so right. not me, but it was so eye-opening and so interesting. And from then on, like the guy always brought me a frappe to every game that we had in Greece. And the parents were like, oh, we're a minute late. Like Coach Christina is going to freak out. But, you know, like everyone is just, they appreciate life more. Um, they're definitely more in the moment. And I think that really helped me like, all right, so we're five minutes late. Like that, that's okay, you know? And it's a really nice lifestyle. I think that's why they live longer than us, I'll be honest. <laughs> definitely a whole different world over there. And, and it's so cool that you're able to have those experiences and, and learn so much from it. Just to wrap up one last question. I, I always ask it to finish up the show. What's some advice? Because I mean, this is you've obviously had both had so many experiences up to this point that you would have given yourself maybe 10 years ago, getting out of college, about to embark on your coaching journey that you weren't thinking of at the time. But you, after all the experiences you've had, whether it's at Luhai, with Empire, overseas, wherever it might be, that's what's some advice you'd give to a 20 year old Derek or to 20 year old Christina? That's a good one. I would definitely say be a sponge. Um, I read something I really liked the other day, actually, and it was just a coach talking about listening to actually listen instead of listening to respond. Um, and I think coaching as much as we want to say we're reinventing the wheel, it's a process of putting the best things together that you can and, and really, um, really operating to the best of your ability, right? It's, it's the team that makes the least amount of mistakes. So I think when you're talking about that, it's so easy to say, I need all these sets. I need to have this, but it's really big picture. And I don't think you get those big picture things unless you're a sponge and everyone, I mean, like there's stuff that I learned from you, JH, when we were on the trip, there's stuff I learned from James, there's stuff, my high school coach, my college coach, my college teammates. I think it's really just about being a sponge, absorbing as much as you possibly can and just learning, right? Like you're going to meet some of your best friends, through coaching, through playing, and they're all going to bring different pieces and different drops into the bucket. So if you can continue to grow and learn in your professional career, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just be a sponge, be open to absorbing and just continue to be a student of the game. Real quick yep, before, like before, before, before Derek answers, what did I teach you? I'm just curious. I'm really curious. <laughs> uh, love well, you were very professional. I think it was the polo, you know, the look being very put together. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I, I think it was really just about having a plan and, and being very organized on the bench. I mean, I think you were one of the greatest assistants to Pete ever. And, and that's, that was a role that I was filling at the time at Luhai and like, you always knew the timeouts. You, you knew you had the book. You knew exactly what kids, what was going on with them. You were like the GM. And I think that was really cool because, like I said, big picture, programs don't just show up in the head coach. Like, it takes a village. It takes every single assistant fulfilling a role, buying into that role, parents buying into a role, kids buying into the role. And I just always thought you did your role very well. Thank you. I'm definitely going to have to clip that on you calling me a GM. I'm definitely going to have to clip that for, for future years. <laughs> All right, years. Take, take it easy. That's going to be the only part he uses from this. It's going to be on Instagram. <laughs> All over Instagram, just for you. I'll tag you too, so it's just so it's all over Instagram, just for you. Jade, she she said she learned from you, but nothing from me. I don't feel so good over here. <laughs> I said you're one of my colleagues. Come on now. I'm just kidding, Coach. Um, so for me and Coach, that's a, uh, you know being a sponge is is key. 
And you definitely need that. And I would give that to, you know, advice for the 20 year old Derek and Christina and for any, you know, 20 year old that's listening. Uh, my thing would be just control what you can control and also just be the best possible version of yourself that you can be at whatever job you're doing. If you're the GA, if you're the, you know, the, the director of basketball operations and you can't step on the court, you have to order pizza and be the, be the best pizza orderer ever. You know, if you have to go sweep the floor and you don't, you still don't get to step on this court, maybe your second year, be the best person to sweep the floor ever. Um, and I think that's big time advice. I think whatever you're doing, you can't look ahead so far. You need to be able to, to kill the job that you have in the, in the present. And you need to be the best possible version of you, the best possible version of you that you can be in that particular moment, in that particular job. So like I said, if you're the assistant and your head coach that you're working under doesn't allow you to speak at practice, then you need to figure out how to be the best mute possible. <laughs> you have to. And then that'll, that'll lead to more opportunities. If you're the, you know, if you're, uh, like I said, if you're a GA and you can't, you're not allowed to talk to athletes and you can't step on the court, create the best scout and create the best films that your, that your team can possibly ever get. And if you do those things, you control what you can control. I believe that good things will happen. And, and if you trust the process, you know, you'll be, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. You know, a good example is Eric Spolster, who's on, you know, the coach of the Miami Heat, who had, you know, probably the best, one of the best years, the, you know, the, 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 the programs ever had. And he was a, a video coordinator. You know, he was in a room. There's a, there's a famous picture of him being like in a small room that's probably 10 by 10 of just videos everywhere and, and a computer screen. And he was the best video coordinator that he possibly could be. And now look at him. He's on, you know, he's an NBA coach at one of the best teams in, in the world and had a chance to compete for an NBA championship. So if you do what you do and you do it really well and you control, you know, if you can control what you control and you're the best version of yourself you can possibly be, good things will follow. Coach, I really agree with that. I think it really goes hand in hand with also surrounding yourself with the right people. And I, I think a big thing is being okay, making mistakes. I, I just wanted to add. And I think mm -hmm. that's something we also preach to our kids a little bit. And I'll be as transparent as possible. I've made a ton of mistakes coaching, whether it be my, my tone with a kid or what I've said to a kid. And, and I think that those are all valuable learning experiences. And we tell our kids all the time, it's okay to make mistakes, but never make the same one twice. Um, and I think that really goes coach with what you're saying is just every day, are you being the best that you could possibly be in that role? Are, are you bringing what you can and what you know you can bring to the program? Are you making us better today? And for yep. everybody that looks different, like for coach, that might mean you're bringing the energy today. And for JH, that might mean you printed seven practice schedules and you have a pack of gum and, and you're, you're hitting the kids with the pad, like as hard as you can. And I think if everybody buys into that role, that's when you start to get something special. But again, 100%. being okay with making mistakes. I mean, there, there were some mistakes I made where I wanted to shut down, but you know what? You move on. You never make the same mistake twice. And I make a new mistake. And I think it's if you can learn from that and still try to be your best every single day, eventually good things are going to happen for you. It's not like, you know, you're not owed them or anything. No one's owed anything. But I think if you do those things that we just spoke about, you surround yourself with good people. You're the best pizza orderer there is. I kind of like that line, yep. actually. You like that, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a good Bye. one. And, and you, you just continue to learn. Eventually, good things happen for good people. Eventually. 100%. Yep.
And that's the other thing. You got to be genuine and really um, just care for the people that you're working with. And like Christina said, if you, whatever your job is, like, uh, you know, I, I used to be in the gym at 6 a.m. every morning. And maybe that's something that one another younger person has to do. And, um, you know, they're going to be really good at that job. And you, now, now there's a new role for, you know, Christina and I, because Chris, Christina is a head coach now. So, you know, she has a different role and she needs to kill that role. And it, it's really important that, that that advice gets heard and people that are up and coming in the game you know, so many people want to like go coach at a high, high level really, really easily. And it doesn't always work out that way. You need to like really lock in on what you're doing, what your specific role is at the, at the time being and, and just be the best you could possibly be. I've ordered, I've ordered, I've ordered a lot of pizzas in my time at the Xavier camp. So I definitely, there you go. Listen, when I, when I was younger, I had to bring coffee to practice. So like I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I would, you know, get the, try to make sure that I get the order right. And make sure none of it spilled on my hands and you know you, you have to do that sometimes you got to grind it out and do the you know the little things there goes that little things again christina there it is you gotta do the Maybe little that's how things we, learned. we did so many of the little things i ordered I a lot of pizza that. too and took a lot of subway orders oh man i was never good with that with that type of stuff but yeah we, we know coach Derek Just, isn't really great with the admin stuff you know like answering no. emails and stuff like but that's Just, why we compliment each other put me that, on the court not rock I mean. out john Put me on the court, I'll knock it out. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love, the, I love the energy. I'll sweep the floor for you. I'll sweep the floor. I'll clean the toilets. I'll do it all, man. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, I, I love. I love the energy. I mean, you guys really brought it for the for this episode. Christina, Derek, thank you both so much for coming on, and and this was fantastic. There's so much content and so much positive coaching tips and, and energy in this show that I know both my listeners will enjoy. And I know Empire athletes have been in, enjoying it for 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 the last few years. So thank you both so much. Thanks for listening to the big fellas podcast. Check us out on all major social media platforms at big fellas pod to join the chop up. You can also listen to us on every podcast platform on the planet. Stay tuned for the next episode. Big fellas.